0: We are in a second part of a series called Relate-Ability. So uh, we're talking about all things relationships. And of course, we know that, you know, this isn't... um... You know, this isn't marriage seminar, although this will help marriages. This isn't um, how to win friends and influence people, uh, although this will help us uh, grow godly friendships. But it's a much bigger picture than that. It's an acknowledgement that the only thing that comes with us to heaven is the relationships that we build and we sow into on the earth. And so, building relationships is of utmost importance, and uh, God gives us uh, lots of wisdom and perspective on how to cultivate health into those relationships. And boy, Pastor Ralph, uh, I just so loved what he shared last week. He kicked us off on just the fact that we need relationships. And now, um, for me, I I always try to come up with a a, a title that's not bland, so hopefully this isn't bland, but uh, this week's title, The Dynamic Duo of Long Haul. Relationships. Uh, so we're, you know, duo, we're talking about two things that are essential for long haul relationships. And actually, in this dynamic duo, we'll look at one this week and one next week. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're, we've been in a period of, you know, a year plus where there has been forced isolation and distancing because of the pandemic and regulations and all that stuff. And then, you know, on the flip side, there were relationships that all of a sudden had much more time together than people were used to having. And, you know, depending on the state and the welfare of those relationships, uh, that could be extra strain on them. You know, for instance, I remember early on in the pandemic, uh, I remember seeing posts on Facebook and people sending cards to teachers uh, because they were becoming, they were forced to become at-home teachers, parents were and they were realizing I don't have the gift of teaching. God have mercy on me. I'm about to, you know, pull my hair out trying to teach my kid. Oh, a fresh appreciation for the the job that teachers have in the day-to-day, right? I think there was a a fresh appreciation there. But what I'm saying is whether it was the the isolation or just the cramming of time that people weren't used to, there's been all kinds of strain that's been placed on relationships. Uh, And in the days ahead, as things open up more, it's going to be important to stay healthy because we're going to be experiencing in these weeks and months to come, much more change as as things reopen. I mean, come on already, how many have noticed like almost daily the amount of cars on the road is just increasing and increasing and I'm not complaining, that means we're opening back up, that means people are coming out of hiding, you know, and that, you know, interaction is is very necessary, Uh, but there's going to be opportunity, all kinds of opportunity to reforge relationships. And then, of course, for the ones that are most precious in our lives, relationships don't stay healthy by accident. Relationships require work, whether it's parents, spouses, kids, friendships, business partnerships. And so over these next two weeks, we're going to look at at two essential relationship skills. The good thing about skills is it doesn't matter if you have a natural tendency in these areas, skills can be developed. We can develop uh, efficiency. We can develop competence in, in areas that are skills. And if we employ these, then our relationships will not only stand the test of time, but they'll be some of our greatest treasures. Amen? Does that sound good? All right. So these two essential skills that we're talking about, number one, communication. Number two, conflict resolution. You know, the importance of maintaining communication and the importance of of knowing how to resolve conflict. Relationships come from the heart, but we can apply healthy skill patterns that will make sure that we keep those things, you know, uh, just just as healthy as they can be. So we're going to talk about each one from a biblical perspective. But again, remember a skill, uh, the definition of a skill, it's the learned ability to perform an action with determined results. So I'm going to learn some things that as I do these things, it's going to bring a determined result, which is health, and it's going to be life-giving. So let's talk about communication. Today, we have so many forms of communication, don't we? Email, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, texting, phone calls, voicemail, Skype, FaceTime, Zoom, and I didn't even start exhausting the list. Hey, how many here, how many online do you still handwrite letters or cards? Anybody? All right. Oh man, that's really good to know. That's become a lost art these days. I know for me, uh, you know, for 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 years, when we would have first time visitors, we would send a letter, and I would sign at the bottom. And then, you know, we made the decision. I, I want to handwrite a letter. You know, it really really came to realize, man, that's that's kind of unique these days. And I and I know many of you that have been first timers over the recent time have commented, hey, that was nice to get a handwritten card, just a a handwritten welcome. So. Uh, You know, with all these other things, nothing can replace, just taking the time uh, to put a little care in, right? Uh, And we would think with all of these forms of communication, our relationships would be healthier and stronger, but in today's culture, we'd rather email than meet, and we'd rather text than talk on the phone. Um, So while we're communicating more, we may not necessarily be building relationships as strongly, We might have more information about one another like the picture we saw on Facebook of what you had for dinner last night and how beautifully plated it was. You know, and we awed over that, you know, but, but that, that, that can also mean that there's less substance and depth to the relationships, if that's all there is to it. So communication is a key to the health of any relationship and to the longevity of any relationship. High levels of communication and conversation in interaction lead to high levels of trust. And the bottom line is we can't have strong relationships. Tr- relationships are built on trust. So the greater the communication, the greater the relationship, you know, because our carnal nature tends to think the worst, believe the worst, and expect the worst. When communication hasn't happened, we can connect the dots, you know, in a wrong way. I had a mentor tell me uh, years ago, hey, remember, communication is so important because what people aren't up on, they're down on. There's just a natural tendency, well, why did we do that? Well, what does that mean? What's the purpose of that? And I realized that at, at the church, communicating with leaders. And so many times where I catch and say, oh, man, because I didn't communicate, now they were left to try to figure that out. And, and sometimes it's just easier to be suspicious. You know, it's like a mother was away all weekend at a business conference, and during a break, she decided to call home Collect. This is back in the days where we would call Collect, right? So her six-year-old son picked up the phone and heard a stranger's voice say, we have Marcia on the line. Will you accept the charges? And frantic, he dropped the receiver. He came charging outside and screamed, dad, they've got mom and they want money. Right? We just always go to the, you know, when we don't understand what's going on, we'll go to the negative. So, hey, in just a minute, we're going to look at a biblical prescription for healthy communication. But I want to I want to pave a little more of a picture and have us understand that some of the pathway that relationships will take and where we ultimately want to go. And I'm using something I want to give credit to Gary Chapman. Uh, he's very famous for the book, The Five Love Languages. How many have ever read or heard of the book, The, the Five Love Languages? Really, really great. Uh, so he's talking about, you know, in context of building godly friendships, he puts it on five, or godly relationships, he puts it on five levels of communication. Level one is Talk. That's fine. How are you? You know, just uh, this level involves surface talk, the nice polite things we say to one another throughout the day, um, the expected things. Such statements are not uh, in and of themselves totally useless. They're positive and they acknowledge the other person present. However, there are some people that never get beyond this first level of communication. Level two is reporter talk. It's what he calls reporter talk, just give me the facts. So this level involves only who, what, when, and where. You tell each other what you've seen and heard and where it took place, but you share nothing of your opinions or your perspectives about the events. Level three, this is intellectual talk. Do you know what I think? Let me share what I think. Uh, Here now we're sharing our opinions our interpretations, our judgments about the matter. We're letting another person in on how we're processing the factual information on our minds. So that's level three. But then when you go to level four, this is emotional talk. This is, let me tell you how I feel. We move from, let me tell you what I think, to let me tell you how I feel. We share our emotions and how we feel about things. I feel hurt, disappointed, excited, angry, happy, sad, bored, uh, lonely, whatever it is. Uh, These are the kinds of feeling words we use on this level. For most people, sharing feelings is more difficult than sharing thoughts. Would you agree with that statement, right? When we get to opening up and sharing our heart now, there's a little more risk involved. There's we're, we're we're opening some vulnerability here. And here's the thing, the distance between level three and level four could be a giant step. And we risk much more at this level when we communicate. And the good news, though, is that we also have the potential for entering a higher level of communication. And that leaves us to the last one that that Gary identifies here, level five, loving, genuine truth talk. And this is, hey, let's be honest. So here we're able to share on an inward level. We, we could talk maybe more of an intimate level. Uh, we tell the other person everything. There's absolute truth and transparency. And this is where we're honest but not condemning, open but not demanding. It allows us freedom to think differently and feel differently. So think about this in the realm of, of spouses. Think about this in, in the realm of parent to child, Right? If if there's not a bringing things to the place of I can be honest and not regret it I can be honest and I can think differently than you and it's not going to cost me now we have healthy communication if if we don't get to that point or if we're made to pay for it when we communicate on on this level how many know what's going to happen we're we're not going to go to that level anymore we've inhibited communication come on can you say amen So the big idea is the deeper you go, the more trust and security that must be there. Okay, so now let's look. We're going to camp out uh, our our main points that are coming from one portion of Scripture. We'll support it with some others. But we're looking at James chapter 1. God's Word gives us a prescription for healthy relationships. So this is James 1, verses 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, And slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So let's look at these three areas and let's make some comments on these things. um, you, You know, for us to cultivate healthy communication. Number one, we are to be quick to listen. And this is talking about the priority of our communication. We have ears, we have a mouth. What's priority? God tells us our ears are the priority. Be quick to listen. Proverbs 18 13 says, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. There's a quote, I don't know who to attribute it to. It says, Men have two ears, but one tongue, that they should hear more than they speak. The ears are always open. Ever ready to receive instruction, but the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and to keep it within proper bounds. Now, that's a very, very interesting picture that's painted there, right? And that totally supports what we're seeing here in James. Dale Carnegie said, You can make more friends in two weeks by becoming a good listener than you can in two years trying to get other people interested in you. Again, wow, the power of listening to others. So l- I'm going to get very practical in this message. So if you hear some areas where you're saying, hey, I could use some polishing up here, or I could, I could use some, some points on some steps I can take, well, we're going to look at it in each of these areas. So how to listen. First of all, most of us only grasp 20% of what the other person said. And hey, can we be honest? That's on a good day where we grasp 20%, right? Right. So here's some things that we can do and how to listen. Number one, concentrate. Do you feel listened to when the person on the other side is looking down at their phone and fingers are flying? Right? You know, so, so concentrate. We can put our focus and our attention on them, putting away the electric devices, removing all distractions, and, and even relocating to a quieter place if necessary. Number two, we connect, engage the other person with our spirit, soul, and body, right? That's, that's you know, we're a three-part person. You know, how many know it's not going to go well when you say, I need to talk to you, and they say, okay, What? You know, so, you know, the words were spoken, but man, there was engagement that's saying, I'm really not here. Or, or uh, yeah, sure, go ahead, whatever you want to say. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You, you know, these are all things. So we can engage physically by giving them undivided attention. We can listen with our mind trying to grasp. And then with our spirit, man, fruit of the spirit, really trying to discern in Christ, right? Hearing involves just the ears, where listening involves the heart. So we can engage with the eyes, watch for nonverbal cues like I just mentioned, uh, gestures, tone, facial expression, inflections, body language, all of that stuff. And then the third thing on listening is we can consider, consider their point of view. Consider yourself in their situation. How would I feel in their shoes? Their feelings, their thoughts, their emotions. And then be patient. Allow there to be silence. How many find yourselves too quick to finish the other person's sentence? You know, or, or if, if they're pausing, trying to help them, maybe I'll tell you what you're thinking rather than just giving the room for them to unpack it, right? So quick to listen, that's number one. Then number two, slow to speak. So this has to do with the pace of our communication. So we talked about our priority is to listen, now slow to speak. This is the pace of our conversation. Margaret Miller said, most conversations are simply monologues delivered in the presence of a witness. Wow. And Colossians 4.6 says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. So again, being very practical some keys on our speaking part of our our communication. So, number one, clarify what you heard. So, remember, we're starting with the priority was listening so we clarify what we heard. And any conversation, there's what we say and what we thought we said and there's what we heard and what we thought we heard and there's a big gap in all of those pieces. And so we have to clarify what we heard. This is another, I don't know who to credit this to, but it sums it up nicely. I know you believe you understand what you think I said, but I'm not sure you realize what you heard is not what I meant. That sums it up, doesn't it? You know, in trying to communicate. So when we look to clarify, we're, we're engaging. We want, we want communication, not, well, what was that supposed to mean? And, and again, the negative first reaction that we could come to. But instead, uh, Gary Smalley calls this the drive-through listening. Be a mirror to reflect back to the person what they're saying. You know, reflecting it back then. We can reaffirm them. I hear you. You know, I, I'm sorry, or I get it. Or asking questions, but not interrupting. Uh, you know, what did you mean by when you said such and such? Or, or even something like this. And, and I tell you what, if we pull nothing else out of this today, remember this point on a practical level. So what I hear you saying is, and then repeat back what you, what you heard. And man, we'll find out either we will validate the person because they'll go, yes, thank you, you heard me. Come on, amen, right? Isn't it so good when you realize somebody understands and hears? Or they'll turn around and they'll say, no, 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 that's not what I meant at all. It's a technique that that I've started to use in counseling early on. Um, I really thought I had to have all the answers as the pastor. Well, they came to the pastor. I mean, I have to have scripture and verse in triplicate because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, and I have to have the solution, you know, and at the end of the day, uh, uh, listening, being quick to listen and slow to speak, it works in that setting. And there would be times where there'd be gridlock, whoever was in front of me, and I would say, what did you just hear them say? And it would be so interesting, time after time, the person would say, I just heard this. And the other person would respond, you heard what? That, that's not what I was trying to say. And now what are we doing? Rebuilding communication so health can be cultivated in, in that interaction. Amen? You tracking so far? Yeah. All right. The next thing then, um, so we're talking about clarifying and then engage, comfort, celebrate. Whatever's going on, if they need comfort, if we're celebrating, rejoicing with them, you, you know, uh, is, is actively engaging the conversation. And then consult or bringing closure to the topic. Uh, discuss and, and respond, bring solutions. Sometimes, maybe many times, people aren't looking for advice. They're just looking for somebody to hear, looking for somebody to listen, Right? Again, going back to counseling early on, I would, I would come up, I would bring a solution, I'd bring a solution, and I would find more times than not, uh, I, I didn't find myself being helpful the way m- my heart would want to have been. And then when I started moving in, well, let me ask questions. Let me help them arrive at some places. There might be some things where they are saying, what is your advice? Other times, I, I would go away and somebody would say, that meeting with you was so helpful. You so helped me. And I'd laugh because I'd say, yeah, I finally shut up. You know, I listened, and you really didn't need a sermon. You didn't need a devotional from me. You, you needed just to work out what was going on, and then God was able to bring up a, a solution. And, and I tell you, more times than not, that can be helpful. Sometimes there's correction. Sometimes there's advice. Sometimes there's speaking the truth. I get all that. I just really wanted to drive home that point that, you know, sometimes we just need to unpack. I know for me, sometimes it's just, just hearing the words come out of my mouth. All right, now I've got some clarity on what was going on. on How many, come on, raise your hand if you had that. I don't even know what I was dealing with on the the inside until I unpacked that, and, and now I get it, you know. Here's another thing, not interrupting. I said that before in this setting as well. And then not forming our own defense if the person is talking toward us, toward an issue with us. Not, not turning off listening, but creating a defense to, re, to react, but instead responding. All right, and now the third thing. So quick to listen, slow to speak, and now let's talk about slow to become angry. Colossians 3.8 says, But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. And he's going to list some things, and they're all things that happen in the context of a relationship. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Man, I heard an eruption of filthy language outside my window of my house yesterday. And I'm like, what is that and where is that coming from and why am I hearing it? And it was a family conversation that was happening outdoors that shouldn't have happened outdoors. And based on this scripture, shouldn't have happened the way it happened. Right, but this is, you know, this is preaching to believers. And hey, believers, these things should not be a part of how we relate and communicate. So slow to become angry. This is speaking of the attitude of our conversation. The attitude of our conversation. Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. We don't want to be hot headed, we don't want to be hot tempered. Right, right, And the good news is the fruit of the Spirit, this is God's work, the work of the, the Holy Spirit worked out in our spirit, is patience uh, in, you know, in these settings. So anger causes us to act and react in ways that we normally would not. It blinds us to the needs and the wants of others. To so just lighten it up a little bit here, I have an amusing uh, illustration. A married couple had a quarrel and ended up giving each other the silent treatment. Two days into their mute argument, the man realized he needed his wife's help. In order to catch a flight to Chicago for a business meeting, he had to get up at 5 a.m. Not wanting to be the first to break the silence, he wrote on a piece of paper, please wake me up at 5 a.m. Well, the next morning, the man woke up only to discover his wife was already out of bed, but it was 9 a.m., and his flight had long since departed. So he was about to find his wife and demand an answer for her failings when he noticed a piece of paper by the bed, and he read, It's 5 a.m., wake up. (laughs) Mercy. We can be stubborn people, can't we? Anger makes us do goofy things, right? So we want to get off the escalator. When things get heated, we want to commit ourselves to not escalate. Finish the conversation when you can speak calmly. And and when we talk about resolving conflict next week, resolving conflict is a big deal. Do you know so many folks don't resolve it? They just let it fester. And that's the worst thing that can happen to a relationship. But sometimes resolving, we all know when we're at a point where we're saying, I am no longer a productive component of this conversation. I need a timeout. Let me cool off and let's come back together when, when our heads are, are, are level. That is totally acceptable. Thomas Jefferson once said that when he got angry, he would count to 100 before he, or I'm sorry, I just gave my punchline. He would count to 10 before he responded. And when he was really upset, he would count to 100. So good wisdom to just pause and wait. So hey, as we close this message up, message up here today, you know, uh, again Our relationships It's the only thing That follows us to heaven You know relationships A great visual picture Of relationships is the garden You know when you see A beautiful garden Whether it's a flower garden A vegetable garden That's, that's yielding really great uh, you, you know harvest That's been done intentionally There is no beautiful garden That happened by accident There is no long-haul, healthy relationship that happens by accident. Every relationship is going to need to employ communication. Every relationship is going to need to employ conflict resolution. And if we will be intentional, purposeful to keep doing that work of these two important areas in our relationships, man, they will go the long haul and they really will be the greatest treasures in our lives. Can you say amen? amen? As we get ready to close, I'm going to pray for us. I want to pray for moms today, and I want to pray for our relationships, the current ones we have, and for the opportunities that we're going to have in the days to come. We're, you know, there's a reset. That has happened. Whether we like it or not, we've we've not invited it, but in this coming in these days and weeks and months out of COVID, there's a reset that's come on. There there have been people that have been distanced that are gonna now be looking for opportunity for relationship. This is a fantastic time for us to make the decision. So oftentimes, priority things get neglected at, at the expense of urgent things. You know, telemarketers are urgent, Right? They're ringing our phone off the hook or, you know, they're knocking on our door or whatever, but they're not priority in our lives. You know, the priority things, we have to make them urgent by saying, I'll keep this in front of my eyes, I'll keep this on my heart, I will make these things practice, I will make these things habit. So as we get ready to pray in just a minute, how are you doing with quick to listen? How are you doing with slow to speak? How are you doing with slow to become angry? And let's invite God into that process to make us the best communicators that we could possibly be. It, it literally is winning that, that carries into eternity if we'll be people that, that cultivate healthy communication. I hope you can say amen to that. Let's pray. So, Father, as we close our Mother's Day service here today, Lord, we lift moms before you. God, we pray your blessing. We pray multiplied blessing poured out on moms all over this place, watching online, all the moms represented in our hearts in this room. God, we pray that you touch them, that you'd fill them with your spirit. God, that you would revive, renew, revitalize them in whatever ways needed, blessing upon blessing to our moms, we pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we've spoken about relationship and communication, Lord, again, whether it's family, whether it's colleagues, work, business, friendships, whatever areas, God, we're we're asking for your grace, we're asking for your help in this area of communication. Lord, I pray that we would see how important and vital this area is. Lord, show us what good, healthy steps we can take from what we heard today to be greater, healthier, more steady, more faithful, more consistent in communication. Show us how we can be intentional, Lord. And, Lord, we pray your blessing not only on current relationships, but, Lord, the ones that you would bring down the road in these days to come. Lord, whole new opportunity before us. May we be great stewards of these opportunities. God, it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen.